0: Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment, sponsored by Tech Help Boston.
1: Success stories, how a woman got to where she is today, including all the hard stuff, the detours, the roadblocks, the bumps along the way. That's what the show is all about. And in the case of today's episode, it's also about the mountains we have to climb to get to where we want to go. In the spotlight, a businesswoman who made it her personal goal to climb all 48 peaks in the state of New Hampshire. For her, this was more than a climb. It was an exercise in maximizing her strengths, in managing her weaknesses, in learning to ask for help, and in strategizing the best path to the top. The lessons she has learned as a mountain climber have not only kept her in great physical shape, but they have also inspired her as a leader in her industry. For the past 15 years, the woman we are featuring has been stewarding the growth and the expansion of a PR and communications company called Denterline. As president now, her ideals and her work ethic have helped to establish the firm as a trusted partner to business and nonprofit leaders who want to improve their operations, their relationships, and their reputations. Her name is Diana Pesciotta, and this is her story. Diana, how are you? Good, how are you? Oh, it's so nice to have you here. So we've got this new thing, it's called Candio's Lightning Round, and we're looking for your immediate reaction to these quick, short questions. Are you ready? Sure. Let's go. What time do you get up in the morning?
2: Whenever either the child or the dog (laughs) wakes me, (laughs) but usually around six.
1: Food you can't live without?
2: Oh, anything carbohydrate. Formal or
1: casual? Casual.
2: Favorite type of music? Anything with a great beat to run to.
1: Worst subject in school? Geography. Pet peeve?
2: The fact that Boston still has a lot of the same older white male faces that were sitting around the leadership tables when I first broke into this business almost 25 years ago.
1: And we will definitely talk about that later in the interview as well. So let's start with your company, Diana. Congratulations on its success. Describe Dentraline and what you do for your clients.
2: I think I have the best job in the whole world. We get to help our clients sort of solve problems and tell their story every single day, which is great fun. We also have a really spectacular team. We're just shy of 25 people. We're super young. We have a lot of energy. We have a lot of people who are really Passionate about their clients and want to help them be successful businesses and nonprofits and hospitals. It's it's great work. I'm lucky to be there.
1: Walk me through your day. You've told us that you get up at six o'clock in the morning. I know you have children and a dog.
2: My day is a little bit controlled by my calendar. If Outlook isn't binging and telling me where to go next, I'm kind of delighted to have an hour or two to actually do the work of the work. So I spend a lot of time meeting with clients, understanding what the opportunities are ahead, helping them address some of the challenges. I still do a lot of writing. I like to be out in the community a lot. So a fair number of nonprofit and charitable events at the end of the day. And then eventually I like to be home to tuck the little guy into bed.
1: You specialize in crisis management. and you had to use your skills during the fallout uh, in Boston over the very famous Big Dig. The thing just was a disaster in so many ways, outrageously over budget. Tell me what that was like.
2: You know, it was when I was still very young in my career that I started working on construction issues associated with the Big Dig, and it was my first real exposure to to crisis communications and the high-stakes world of communications in Boston and politics. So it was a wonderful learning experience to have as a very young person, and it really taught me that integrity matters so much that people can forgive you when something has gone wrong. What they want to know is that you deal with the outcome of that in a way that has ethics, that shows your company's values, and that is honest and transparent.
1: Cybersecurity to regulatory investigations. I'm guessing, Diana, that you need to know a little about a lot of things.
2: I always thought I would go back to graduate school, get another degree of some sort. And honest to God, it's been lifelong learning every single day. So I wake up in the morning. And I think I know what my day is going to look like. And then by seven o'clock at night, I might be an expert on epoxy. That's something that I never thought, despite the fact that my parents own a hardware store, I would know quite that much about.
1: You just mentioned your parents and owning a hardware store. Can you take us back to your childhood? Tell us where you're from and what was the message like in your house?
2: I grew up in suburban New Jersey. I am the daughter of an immigrant, so I'm first generation. So we really valued education in my house. It was Italian-American house, so a little bit on the stricter side. And my parents have owned a mom and pop hardware store since I was about six years old. And that just really is formative to me. I like to say I am the lazy one in my family because my father, when I was a kid, took maybe three days off a year. Easter, Christmas, and Fourth of July.
1: Work ethic. What was your dad's work ethic then? Just work until you fall down? Tell me.
2: No, sort of unbeatable. You know, I have to say, it's pretty impressive. You know, both my parents are high school graduates, and my dad was a Votech student. He was a welder when I was born. And my mom self-taught on all of the accounting that it takes to mm. run the business. They always believed in themselves. My dad always believed that the business was going to be a success. He always believed that by going the extra mile to help a customer solve a problem, he was going to be able to stay in business, even though right now from the front door of their store, you can actually see a Lowe's home improvement store.
1: And they still thrive. They are still in business, although I'm
2: begging them to retire.
1: You joined Enterline in 2002 as the executive vice president. Jerry Dentaline, founder of the firm. You've worked side by side with her and grown in your role over these 17 years. Tell me about the dynamic between the two of you.
2: Interestingly, I started working with Jerry the minute I graduated from college. She went off and started Dentaline while we were at another firm, so we took a, a brief one year pause and then I circled back. There's no one else like her in the business. She has taught me so many of the foundational lessons about being a great communicator. First and foremost, that the most important thing in being a communicator is being a listener. She has taught me about guts and courage because it took a lot of courage for her to go out and start her own business. Integrity and ethics, you don't get better than Jerry Denterline, but she's also given me the space and the opportunity to grow. It's unusual to have known someone who you knew when they were 21 years old, a hot minute out of college, and then, lo, these many years later, and I won't say quite how many, but it's getting up there, she'll turn to me and ask me, well, what do you think? Or, I need your expert guidance on this. Everything I've learned, I have learned through the great opportunities that have come through Jerry Dendraline.
1: Tell me about your leadership philosophy.
2: It has evolved so much. I think the hardest thing that I have done in the last 10 years of my life is learn about being a leader. The things that make me a great consultant, I'm direct, I'm decisive, I'm wonderful at telling people what to do, would make me a terrible leader. And it took me some time to recognize and embrace and understand that. To me, to be a good leader is to set clear expectations to make sure that people have the tools to meet those expectations and give people the room to fly.
1: You just mentioned giving people the room to fly. So what's the vibe like at Dental
2: We are a pretty industrious group of people. We're pretty hardworking. When you come in, there are times when it's crazy quiet because everybody's sort of intensely focused on getting what they need to get done, done making the calls to the media, writing the pitches, doing the op-eds, editing the videos, posting the social content. And then there are times where we're all sort of, at the same time, take a breath and pause. And we're gossiping about the women's soccer championship or the latest political scandal, what's trending on Twitter or what the next Denderline Instagram post is gonna look like. So it's a really great mix. Nose to the grindstone focus, and people who really truly enjoy one another.
1: When we were in our lightning round, you were able to say for your pet peeve that you look around and you still see a bunch of old white guys in leadership positions. Where are we in terms of leveling out that playing field?
2: Something that I take from what happened in the last couple of years around the Me Too movement and the speed with which all of a sudden, almost overnight, things that had once been considered wildly acceptable and inappropriately acceptable in the workplace where all of a sudden everybody had like the scales fall from their eyes. How could we have possibly put up with this? Has made me answer this question a little bit differently. I had been thinking we were making some steady progress, but now I realize there shouldn't be barriers to making significantly more faster progress towards greater equity and inclusion in workplace. And I think to me, if I have any time and space in my career to focus on something, it's being a real advocate for that, for encouraging clients, other people in the community, that this has to be the front and center issue that we focus on.
1: Let's talk a little bit about your mountain climbing. I'm fascinated by it. And the smile is all over your face as soon as I say it. What strategies did you take from climbing to the workplace and to goal setting?
2: So I'm terrified of heights. (laughs) I'm actually quite terrified of falling. In fact, it was at a moment in my life where I needed a goal to focus on. And this became it because I always really loved the outdoors. I'm really active. And so I really I decided that I was going to climb all 48 4,000 footers in New Hampshire, which is a thing. And for me, it's the steady persistence. It's the asking for help. I I hike with poles because I have terrible balance, despite the fact that I've done yoga for years. And I couldn't do it if I didn't have poles. And I resisted that at first. But no, 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 I hike with poles now because I know that's going to make me a better hiker. It's the barreling through when you're terrified. There are some sheer cliffs where I have literally stood there and burst into tears. How am I going to get up this thing? The only way around sometimes
1: is through. Can you tell us, what do you say to someone who might work for you? Maybe there's somebody on your team and they're stuck. What do you say when you see someone who needs to find a way out, find a way up, find a way around?
0: Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Elmazian, president of TechHelp Boston, with the reasons why.
2: We like to establish a relationship with our customers, and the best way to do that is see them in their natural setting, so to speak, and that's in their home. We come to you. We work with you on your equipment in a setting that's comfortable for you, and also we can test better that way because if you have a printing problem or whatever
0: and we bring it to a shop, it may work great in the shop, but it might not work in your home. So this way we know for sure everything is working Way that it should. TechHelpBoston.com. Their experts will come to your home or office to fix your computer same day, next day, and weekends too. Visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com.
2: A couple of different answers. Sometimes I tell people don't think so much, don't try so hard. Give yourself 20 minutes and say, I'm going to do the best I can in this 20 minutes to get what I need. And then I'm going to break and I'm going to go ask somebody else. This is how far I've gotten. What do you think? If they're feeling stuck in their careers writ large, go explore something else. Take a little break. Take a little pause. Do something outside of work that's very different from your work. Expand your perspective a little bit because sometimes you really need that. Fear is such an obstacle for people. For a really long time, I focused on the things in life that I was really good at. Hey, I had some things that I was really good at. And so why try anything else? I, why? And then I decided that I was going to take up yoga. I was not flexible. I don't take direction on what to do with my body very well. It was terribly difficult for me. But I saw that by trying something I was scared of and sticking with it, I made slow incremental progress that I could have never anticipated. And that has really stuck with me as a a lesson in life, is that sometimes you don't see your progress. So give yourself some space. Don't be afraid.
1: You know, fear, they say, is the biggest killer of confidence. And small wins, like you just described, are how we get from A to B to C to D. Have you had a mentor? I know you talked a little bit about Jerry, obviously, has been a big mentor in your life. But any other mentors?
2: My parents have obviously been great mentors to me. They took nothing and turned it into something. And not just through sheer hard work, through creativity, through looking at a world around them and finding opportunities. They have both been really wonderful mentors and they brought their family into the business. I worked in their hardware store since I was a little girl, since I was old enough to dust small shelves and and ring the old-fashioned cash register. I've also been fortunate. Over the course of 20-some-odd years of consulting, I've had really amazing clients Mm. across all sorts of sectors. From each of them, I take little lessons along the way, because even though I'm helping them, there's always something to be learned from other people.
1: You had mentioned your devotion to some charities when we first started talking, and This is a chance for you to tell us all about them. What are you passionate about?
2: One of my most beloved charities that I work on is Rosie's Place. I'm on the board there. They are a spectacular organization. First shelter for homeless women in the country. Kip Tiernan, their founder, was amazing. And what I have really appreciated is seeing that the organization is not at rest. That it's thinking about how to meet women where they are. Women who don't come to the physical shelter. How do we meet them in places where we can still provide them support, even if, if shelter or a meal or the services we provide there? Can we go and find other places for them? And I love that they are continually reinventing themselves in support of the women. I also love they take not a dime of government money so that they can treat the women as people, not as forms. And that is so meaningful.
1: Can you tell me what is the best piece of advice you've ever received, whether that's personal or professional?
2: Well, my husband likes to give me advice every single day, (laughs) so I, I can't characterize all of his in one lump. In all seriousness, Jerry's mom used to say, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Use them in that proportion. As a chatty soul... Uh, have to be reminded of that. So it's good advice to take.
1: You had also mentioned that you have a child. Can you talk a little bit about how your life changed when you had a child?
2: You know, I thought I was busy before I had a kid. And now I wonder, gosh, I had so much spare time. So I work out a lot less now, although I I still do fit in exercise as a life priority. I'm far more efficient than I ever used to be. And you do see life differently. You see it through the eyes of the world that you want to exist for your little person. The world that you want to leave him and try to make a difference in that way.
1: What is mother love? Oh, my gosh.
2: Crying in the car on the way to work because he's just told you that he's scared to start his new school.
1: Do you know Liz Walker? I do. I asked that same question of Liz a million years ago, and she gave me one of my favorite answers of all time. She said, Mother love is when the light on the porch is always on. Doesn't that sound so much like Liz Walker? It does. We learn from our mistakes. Have you made any? Oh, so many.
2: You know, if I had a dollar for every time, I thought to myself, Oh, I've made this mistake before. How do I keep from making it again? I think one of The important things in life is to not be too hard on yourself when you've made a mistake. To recognize your mistake. What factored into it? How did I get there? Was I rushing? Was I not being attentive to the people that I was dealing with? Did I forget a lesson and why? And really trying to understand how you got there. Sometimes mistakes just happen.
1: But if you can learn something from it, that can be really valuable. What do you wish you knew when you first got started in business?
2: I had an untold amount of confidence as a young person, and some of it was a little bit misplaced. It actually is good that you've asked me that question, because it is good to remember that even though I've been doing my job for a long time and I've got a lot of skills and expertise, there is still much to learn.
1: Are you a mentor of others, maybe some of the young people in your office?
2: I try to be, in little ways. I've learned a lot from the millennials in our office and the way they advocate for themselves. And in particular, I've appreciated the ways in which women I see advocate for salary and job title in ways that I never did when I was younger. I've tried to pass that along and share that with as many people as I can, because I know that not everybody is fortunate to have someone to give them that push. And to ask for a seat at the table, it's a small thing that I always do. But when I see a young person and there are seats around the table and there's room for them, take the seat that's at the edge, I pull them right in. Because you do want to be at the table. Even if you're sitting quietly at the table, you want to be at the table.
1: Looking back through the rearview mirror on a career that continues to unfold with many, many more years ahead of you, What are you most proud of from a career perspective?
2: That I have invested the time and the energy in learning and continuing to learn how to be a manager of people. We're a group of consultants. Our assets are our people. And if I don't treat those people with a lot of respect, if I don't help them grow, if I don't give them opportunities, all is lost And that is not my natural strength. And I'm really proud that I've invested time and energy in it. And I'm glad that I know I'm not done investing time and energy in that.
1: You know, when we first sat down together, I was talking about the fact that I'm stunned that you climbed 48 peaks in New Hampshire and that you were afraid of heights. So when I asked the question, when an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? I feel like you're one of the best experts to ask that question of.
2: You just go. Although I will give the consultant version of the answer, which is when you're a consultant, there are three options for everything. You think about, okay, what are the different ways that I can attack this obstacle? I can look for a friend to help give me a hand up there. I can see if there's a tree. You know, you look for what are the potential solutions, but sometimes you just have to go.
1: At this point then in your career, What does success mean to you?
2: I feel as though I'm at a moment in time where I want to do some bigger things. I want to help change who has a seat at the table in the power structure of Boston. I want to be a voice for the next generation of leaders, of which I actually see myself as a part of. I want to advocate for people and causes that I believe in. And to me, that's the next step of success and then ask me again in 10 years.
1: Diana Pesciotta, in the spotlight this week. I wanna say thank you so much for being our guest on the story behind her success.
2: Thank you, it was so great to be here, so much fun.
0: Thanks for listening to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C A N D Y O T E R R Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?